Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome once again. Superhero stuff you should know. This is the Ben Man Rises. With me is Andrew Robincock Boosh at your <laughs> service. <laughs> so, Robincock, last year, yes, July tw- yes, in, in July 2022 was the 10th anniversary for the Dark Knight Rises, oh and we did God. nothing. So, it's the 11th anniversary for the Dark Knight Rises. And we're wrapping up the Concept Art Trilogy with this discussion. <laughs> 11 years ago? you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I know, right? Still feels like maybe like five. Yeah. At this point. But uh, yeah, we're going to be diving into the concept art of The Dark Knight Rises, mainly with Bane and Catwoman and then a few of the scenes. Uh, and stuff. Okay. This one did not really get a like art of The Dark Knight Rises book. Per se, it has, you know, a lot of the concept art has been released through the internet or through, you know, featurettes, um, but not like an individual one, like with uh, Batman Begins or the script book one that I have with The Dark Knight right here. They were like, ah, we're over it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. So. <sighs> we're, you know, we, we moved on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you do after that, Dunkirk? Interstellar. Interstellar, then Dunkirk. Okay. Yeah, yeah. From what, uh, unless I'm rem- remembering it wrong, Rises was the last one I saw. Not because I had anything against the other ones. It's just I never got around to them. I was not like super interested in in seeing them immediately. But uh, I'll get to them eventually. But uh, let's see. Rises. We have Bane, of course, and you know, just like with everything else. They didn't want to just do exactly what was in the comic. They had to put their own stamp on it, which, you know, I I understand that. You know, like, not everything has to be a direct translation to the comic, and at a certain point, you kind of see that the ones who have put the best stamp on the character are the ones who, you know, like, had their own version on it. Um, as long, to me, as long as the principles behind the mask are there, or behind the look uh, are still there, then we're good. Though, you know... Uh, I would always, of course, prefer comic book accuracy, but like when I first saw the image of the Heath Ledger Joker for all the scars and stuff, my reaction was negative. But when I saw the Bane mask for this one with Tom Hardy, my reaction was positive, even though the mask itself is different from the you know luchador-looking one in the comic. And that's because I felt like the principles of the mask were still there, even if it was a redesign. You know, the idea yeah. that it is 
something that like covers his face but is also scary at the same time or has like kind of scary look to it as well as him being you know buff as hell like right. all that stuff i'm like well that's right. still there is it the way that i would do bane no but is the principle behind the character still there with this yes so i was relatively happy with the um with what they did even though it wasn't you know the comic book bane but i liked that they put their own stamp on it while staying true to at least what i thought would be important for the bane look right so we're going to look at a lot of the masks here as we dive into bane so here we go uh, they went through dozens of different possible mask options. Of course, you know, part of it is just like, well, if it's going to be this much, why don't you just do the comic book version? Right. <laughs> and, uh, this is this is what we got here. We got, and it's almost like, a, it's not really Court of Owls, but almost an owl-looking one at the top left. I don't know what's going on with the one in the top middle there. It looks like he's only got one eye um, over there. And then... So, like a gimp suit, some of these. Yeah, I know. Third one on the top right looks like some weird scuba diver type of thing. And then second row is like, it almost looks like the, a, a knight's helmet from medieval times type of thing to me. Um, but yeah, a lot of these, I think the one that might be the closest to comic book Bane is third row on the uh, number three on the third row on there where you can kind of see like the eyes with the white around it, uh, the black and white type of look. Yeah, uh, but I mean, these are super sketches. simple. It's very yeah. simple. This is mm -hmm. like 20 minutes, probably. Yeah, yeah. Just general brainstorm uh, yeah. that we have here. A lot of this stuff, the one-eyed ones I don't like at all. I'm just like, I don't get what they're going with that. Um, almost looks like a I mean, a lot of these obviously look like a very different character as well. So yeah. there's that. Uh, but yeah, my favorite is the more comic book looking one, of course, in the third row. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I mean, I guess it's the closest one. Yeah, it's they're just too simple to really judge. I feel like. I mean, I kind of like the bottom middle one, sorta. It's kind of cartoony. That one's closer too. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that element, similar elements to the uh, the other one. Some uh, of them kind of remind me of of Moltar from Space Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> the bottom one on the far left, to me, that almost looks like a bird face. With a human nose. Yeah, like something. It's just really off. I mean, again, I'm glad that they did not go with most of these. Well, they didn't go with any of them. But it's, for the most part, it's good that they didn't go with these. I mean... It, this seeing this reads like Nolan was like, I'd like to try something new. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, well, what? And he was like, just draw a bunch and let me decide. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's probably like, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got uh, these, but yeah, they, they did go through a ton of the different options as we're going to see. Uh, and uh, this, this the next one. I laugh at this one. This one, it is a little eyes. goofy, but there's something <laughs> scary-ish about it, too. I don't know. It's funny. This yeah, drawing is I, funny. I think it's the eyes, really. Yeah. The eyes, and then the tube looks like he's got like a giant-ass mustache in front of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, I don't really like how the tubes go around like that on his face. And then I don't know what's up with his arm, either. Yeah. We definitely got something better in the movie than this. Yes. For sure. Also, looks like a little bit of a road warrior influence. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kinda yeah, for like sure. This. Yeah. 
So that's that's what this kind of reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting a little closer here. Yeah. You know, a little bit of a mix of the comic book Bane. Uh, still looks like a giant, giant nose or beak. In the yeah. Of his face though. Yeah. It looks like so. it looks like a like that Star Fox <laughs> uh, <laughs> character. Right. Yeah. Um, I forget his name, but. It does look though that they were playing around with something that looked closer to the comic book Bane, and you would just see the eyes coming out, as opposed to what we got in the movie, where it was, you know, um, more of his face. I mean, not necessarily. We still only really got the eyes; that everything else was sort of covered up. But uh, you know, obviously, you got to see more of his bald head, as opposed to here, it's just the eyes peeking through the mask. Right. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad we got a little bit of. Uh you know, Hardy's face in the final mm-hmm. design. Yeah. Uh, now, here we go. Here's what we got where it looks like the, the mask is closer to what we got in the movie, and the mask itself looks like giant-ass teeth in the front, but yeah, it's kind of the... It, it, this is basically what they went with right here. And I can kind of see how it went out compared to what we saw before. Definitely. I mean, he it, it is kind of iconic in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this Bane. I mean, especially him with that jacket and his stance of like holding it, like mm-hmm. you know, holding the lapels. Yeah, that's just just iconic. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a little bit more of this version, and we get another alternate version on the right. Uh, more tubes, uh, long tubes, less of the teeth looking aspect of it, and also just his eyes peeking out rather than like most of the face outside of the nose and mouth. This is definitely closer, especially the one on the left. The one on the right, like, it's just, it reads a little bit too much like Wrestler, which I know, like, the original comic book design is a luchador mm-hmm. type of design, right? He is, he's, he's even Mexican, right? Mm-hmm. So, I get well, it. Latino. But, uh, yeah, Latino of some sort. Uh, but, uh, they, you know, he's not a luchador in this, so I don't know. Right. Yeah it's, yeah, it's similar to what they would end up doing, I think, with Doctor Strange or the Ancient One. wasn't really Asian, and she wasn't, you know, Tilda Swinton wasn't playing an Asian character. They said that she was Celtic. Similar thing here, where, like, they never say that, you know, Santa Prisca's never mentioned, you know, like, all the, all the Latin roots of the character are now kind of changed to him being European. You know, they said that they had a lot of Romani influences uh, on uh, this one. That's the kind of, like, accent that Tom Hardy was going for on this so that's kind of how they went around it I think for this specific version since you know Nolan was not casting a Latino actor he was casting Tom Hardy who's obviously not Latino so okay, uh, having the character come from that come from somewhere else made sense there's a whole other argument on whether or not that was right or wrong but I'm not going to get into that uh, <laughs> but to, to right. cast him as somebody who was meant to be from that area is fine I think uh, you know if you're changing the character to an Eastern European and he's played by somebody who's from Europe that's fine. Um, yeah. So, going further, a little bit more of this. This just looks wrong. <laughs> if you're looking this at looks this like uh, one of those like baboons or something. Uh, yeah, it's that that too. Weird that too. monkey kind of look or ape look. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's too much on the mouth. Like they they did they made the right call with making the tubes smaller as opposed yeah. to like these giant giant ones because otherwise this just looks you know maybe this is just me <laughs> but uh this also i was like this when i first look at this i'm like oh this looks wrong because all i see is genitalia 
<laughs> you see balls. <laughs> it's like I, I I didn't get that, Ben. Maybe it's yeah. a little Freudian well, it's, on your it's part. What I, it's it's what I see, I guess. Uh, <laughs> In the ink splotch. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So, <laughs> this is a little closer to what we got. I'd like balls different. on his face. <laughs> for my villain that I see. <laughs> Nolan, yeah. this is Nolan. Nolan's decree. Uh, but this is this is a little different here. I want him Romani and will have balls <laughs> dangling in front of his mouth. So basically, let's just throw off the entire comic book design. <laughs> fuck it. Forget the fuck the Luchador stuff. I want balls on his face. Ledger died, and I don't give a fuck anymore. A giant vagina on his face. <laughs> I'd so. like balls and a vagina, <laughs> labias, flabias, flip flaps, and all the rest. So here's the flap design that we got on on, on this one. <laughs> that I think looks a little bit. It's almost like Darth Vader-ish. I feel like with the mouth on the one on the left. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and well, both of them really. You know, again, it is like a breather like, too, like Vader. I, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I thought that at the time, but I actually forgot about that connection till you just said that just now. Yeah, like it, it does make sense, right? You know, you've got the this menacing figure. You know, who's really super strong and has like this voice that comes out, and you don't really know what he looks like under the mask, like that yeah. kind of aspect. Yeah. So uh, that's you know probably was an influence, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, now this is interesting, right? Because this kind of at first glance, right, this looks like it's the Bane mask, but if you look closer at the actual mask around the mouth and nose, that's not the mask in the movie. But this is not concept art stage. They built this. This was made. This was molded. Uh, so. Where does this come from? According to Ryan Unicom, who's the you know he's the Australian filmmaker who was working on the Justice League Mortal um, documentary, he said that this was for a deleted scene where this is a prototype mask that Bane wears in a flashback when he's being trained by the League of Shadows. So that's you rem- that could remember be this is from remember the fashion designer or something, the costume designer for this movie spilled the beans. Saying that like there was a shitload cut from mm-hmm. Bane's storyline, mm-hmm. and Nolan doesn't like putting that shit out there, like unused scenes. Right. So we might not ever see it. It's probably in so. his fucking contract. So yeah, uh, because we've only we've really seen anything in terms of like deleted scene stuff. At most is when I think it was the documentary where they share the deleted shot of Ledger on the bus. As the hospital keeps blowing up behind yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Uh, that's like, about it. There's, like, deleted shots you might catch in, like, different trailers and promos, but they're not. those aren't, like, separately released as deleted scenes. The Ledger one is, like, the only one, and there's nothing from Dark Knight Rises, I don't think, outside of the, you know, the little shots that might not have made it in the movie that were in, like, a trailer or two. I would have loved to have seen these extra scenes because I it did feel like he was pretty mysterious and it worked mm-hmm. it worked that part of the film worked so i get it but i don't know i would have liked to have known a little more especially what happens it seemed like there was a lot i think when she spilled the beans it was she d- even like said there was a lot in the pit mm-hmm. that was that was cut uh so yeah i would i would love to see that what's cool about this picture is they've got the comic book version right up there on the top left yeah yeah i was yeah. looking at that too yeah, uh, I think that one looks familiar because I had a book called Batman Illustrated. Let us know in the comments if you had that one too. But this Bane is from that uh, from that book where they like they illustrate like each page is 
that they got different artists that do different members of the rogues gallery and stuff. So like yeah. that was their representation of Bane. So I'm like, oh, that looks familiar because that's the Bane I grew up with. Was that picture? That's cool. So uh, and then the ones in the background will will show in more detail uh, as we go further. But I wanted to highlight this one just because you know as we can see that mask is different. Uh, and supposedly the prototype mask that he wore in the flashback that I presume, you know, Ra's al Ghul gave to him after they rescued him from the pit. So, hey, so the, the mask in, the mask in, the, in this previous shot also mm-hmm. reminds me of the mask Joker gives people or gives himself or something in Batman oh, yeah, 89. Oh, yeah, in 89, yeah. Yeah, true. I guess they're all similar. They have that similar look, but that would have been an interesting little connection they would have made. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, I think with this... It could be that it's just like, hey, this is like a little bit more like heavy and techy type of thing. And then they went with and then, you know, it would evolve into something that was a little bit more. Um, it's not really sleek, but you know what I mean? Like something that feels a little bit more like sophisticated technology, whereas this one kind of feels like, oh, it's a gas mask that we then connect to your face with these big ass straps uh, and stuff. And then it evolves into the one that we get in the movie. And they never say what why he needs the mask right it's it's ambiguous in the film it's kind of implied well like it is basically that the tubes feed him the anesthetic for the pain that he's in right because when bale uh, destroys the tubes that's when bane is like a lot weaker and stuff it i don't know how i felt about that uh because of the fact that like instead of venom where it was like stuff that meant to make bane stronger it was stuff that um you know was to hide the pain so if anything you know, in, in the comic, at least, not in the animated adaptations, but in the comics, when you slice the Venom tubes, he stopped getting the Venom, but he was a, still a big-ass guy who could kill you. So, uh-huh. like, that was just step one, was cutting the tubes. Here, it's just like, well, if you cut those, then he's out, you know? Like, it, it yeah. kind of made him a little bit easier to take down, I thought, when they made that change, as opposed to the, the Venom stuff. We didn't necessarily, look, I don't need Venom in this movie and the whole, like, drug thing that he's addicted to. We don't necessarily need that, but when I compare it to the comic where I'm just like, well, that was just something that gave him, you know, it upped his points, you know, uh, as opposed to something that, like, he's dependent on, that, like, you just take that out and he's out, then it kind of makes him weaker, in my opinion. Right, right, right. So, yeah, we've got other designs here with the teeth on the left. Uh, I think they wanted some, they definitely wanted that type of design. I believe this was... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong uh, for anyone out there, but this might have been inspired by actual like sea creatures, so like sharks and like, um, you know, like that type of mouth, that like round, scary mouth, sharp teeth type of thing um, that we're seeing here on the left. Right. Yeah. I th- I think spider too or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. So I can definitely see that. It, it's what creates that scary look uh, as yeah. well with that. So. Uh, it kind of translates into what we see on the right. So this is the initial mold that's being made, uh, the sculpt. Uh, so Tom Hardy had a life cast that we see here, uh, and they cyber-scanned him to create this cast. And this is Mario Torres Jr., who's doing the you know the mass sculpture right here that they're doing to, to fit his face on the, okay. on the life cast, of course, not Tom Hardy. So uh, that's who that is here, which is pretty cool to kind of see and give credit to, to those who were part of like creating this stuff. Cause I know Lindy Hemming is the costume designer on this, but she's not the one who's physically doing this stuff the way that Mario Torres is, or a lot of the, you know, you, you work, I know with a lot of you know sculptors or the ones who do the molds yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And a lot of times like those people aren't necessarily given as much of the credit. 
Yeah, they they are they do get credit in the in the credits a mm-hmm. lot of the time, right. uh, which is good, but kind of not much more than that, which I guess is fine. But but yeah, like well, the sculptors don't generally design it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Original design comes from the concept artist, mm-hmm. and um, it's just funny seeing this shot because I've taken like a billion shots just like this. Yes, I'm work. sure. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of photo I take. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what shop this is, by the way, offhand? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I'd okay. have to look it up. I'd have to see where uh, who Nolan works with or Lindy Hemming works with. Yeah, this might have been somebody in in London. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how they did. The, they just do Batman stuff in London a lot of the time. The Penguin stuff I think was done in London. Mm-hmm. Um. So. So yeah, but yeah, this is this is cool. You know, um, I've never seen this shot before. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dan, for bringing this, because I hadn't seen this either. I think I had seen some of these uh, designs before, but uh, not this one with uh, Mario Torres. So that's cool. Yeah, it looks it looks awesome. Oh, this is... Is this... This is, con- cool. this is a Photoshop? This is, yeah, Photoshop concept art, I believe. So this is cool. So from top to bottom, his eyes look a little bit ledgerish in terms of there being black around those eyes. Yeah. You know? So that's a little different. The teeth seem to be bigger on the mask. Yeah. Uh, the jacket and the outfit seem to be a little different. He still has like the, you know, the fuzzy, the furry part in yeah. the collar, but the rest of the jacket looks a lot different. Uh, They're definitely then, getting there, though. Yeah, yeah, it's getting close. Um, and then it looks like he actually is covered up a little bit more, at least in terms of a shirt or some sort of armor. Again, I, I can't see anything beyond you know the chest down, so I'm not really sure what he's wearing in between there. But because uh, in the movie, it's just like he kind of just has this armor uh, around it, and that might be an early design of that. Okay, yeah. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. So it's funny because he's in the sewer and because of the, the mask thing, this kind of just feels a little bit uh, killer croc ish to me when looking <laughs> at this. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, especially with his mouth looking like that. Yeah, yeah and his arms kind of look scaly, even though that's just his clothes. God, I wonder if they were trying to go for that a little bit because it's just so similar to that. Yeah, I could see that where they're just like, look, we're not going to cover Killer Croc, but he is in the sewers, right? So maybe just a real this is our way to do a realistic Killer Croc with the uh, you know the the mask being the teeth and the clothes being the scales. Do you think Killer Croc could carry a movie like if it was like Batman versus Killer Croc the movie? Or does he always mm. have to be a second banana type of type of character? I think I think realistically, he's going to be a second banana type of character. I think most people are not really going to be interested in Killer Croc. I yeah. think there's potential that he could, but it would probably require a sort of reinvention the same way that we saw reinventions of this vill- of these villains in these movies because. Last time people saw Bane was Batman and Robin before The Dark Knight Rises, but a lot of people knew the comic book potential in the character, and of course Nolan and, and Goyer saw that, and they brought that into this one, uh, right? With their own, you know, with their own take on their own remix on all those elements. And right. the possibility that could happen for Killer Croc, because a lot of times you see they're kind of similar characters in a way, because both of them started off as these like, oh, they're the next big thing. In, as, in terms of Batman villains. And, you know, you look at the original Croc comics and he's a mob boss and he's the kind of the main villain for a bit. And he's the original one who's responsible for the death of Jason Todd's parents. 
Oh, um, yeah. And then over time, he's just kind of relegated to being, you know, Spider-Man's the lizard, but for Batman. And he's just a scaly <laughs> dude who fights Batman. Similar thing with Bane, where he, like, he starts off, he's like, he's the man who broke Batman and stuff. And then later on, he's just kind of like, okay, this is just a dude who you got to fight on one level of an Arkham game or, you know, he's a henchman for somebody or something or you know, Batman just cuts the, the Venom wires in a couple of the cartoons and suddenly he's all weak and shit. Like, it, he's been kind of downgraded. And movies like The Dark Knight, you know, The Dark Knight Rises or comic book arcs kind of have to reestablish that dignity. But Killer Croc hasn't really had an opportunity to have that, like, reestablished dignity. He's kind of still in the era of, like, uh, now you've been kind of downgraded to just, like, the muscle villain who Batman has to fight every now and then in the sewers. It'd be a cool, like, left-field pick, I think. And, mm-hmm. and especially if it was, like, he's fighting Killer Croc and no one else, you know, <laughs> right. for two hours. <laughs> like, damn, okay, let's do it, Matt Reeves. <laughs> In which case, it would be, have to be a really interesting version of Killer Croc, you know, if we go with the, you know, the guy who had a skin condition, not some dude who looks like he's... Because, <laughs> like, you look at the, the present-day Killer Croc, and you're like, that dude does not have a skin condition. That guy's a mutant. <laughs> The guy has a tail. I would like, I would go different. with the fly on it. I would like have Ooh, a slow. I would have a slow transition mm-hmm. into more and more monstrous. Yeah, that too. And I've I've also always liked the idea too of of uh, having Killer Croc tied in to Robin in some way because I'm just like you kind of have like a circus act type of thing with right. his background. You know, he's wrestling wrestling alligators. And yeah, stuff. So yeah, gets yeah. The, gets the the name. Uh, so to, to have him have some sort of personal connection to the characters is kind of what you need for all these movies to make him a major character or a major villain in these. Like, if you notice, whenever they, they bring these villains in, there's sometimes they have to create or come up with something that's a little bit more of a personal connection than yeah. what was originally in the comics, and that kind of has started ever since they made Joker Batman's, you know, the, the killer of Batman's parents in Batman 89. You know, they always like, there's got to be something personal here. And so, like, certain things are changed, or like, they grew up as friends, and now they're enemies. Like, certain things happen with these adaptations. So, I'm sure something like that with Killer Croc could work in the future. It'd be cool. I mean, I've always kind of liked Killer Croc. I yeah. Think, I've always thought he's kind of a cool character. So, yeah, I think he's just underutilized because I think a lot of people just see, like, oh, yeah, he's just the sewer monster guy that Batman's going to fight because he's in the sewers. And then that's all they know what to do with him. But if you that's have a talented it. writer, yeah, if they have a talented writer who like knows how to bring back the depth of the original, like Jerry Conway uh, comics that had Killer Croc in them, and, and go deeper with them and go into different aspects, or even uh, the animated series. You know, there's that episode where he hangs out with a bunch of people in the circus until Batman finds him and stuff, and uh, it's it's sort of the opportunity of like he could be a good guy. But he chooses not to be for whatever reason and stuff. Like there's oh yeah, there. oh yeah. I just think it's interesting to think about like the people behind the scenes writing DC movies right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they choose like the C list or the D list or the the F list or because <laughs> right. it's like I can just imagine them like guys. I just I just really got this awesome <laughs> idea for Condiment King, right. <laughs> You know, and and it's like, God damn, Julie's got a fucking great condom, a king. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe we're making this movie, you know, like, right. just bait. It's more pure that way. Base it on whatever the fucking best story is that your writing team all agrees on. You know, maybe you can make that democratic in some way. Like they have their little bullpen right now for DCU. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, like that, despite whatever fucking recognition any of them have, however as fucking silly it is, if it's the best story, it's the best story. Right. Just who gives a fuck? It could be cool. Like I, I think there has been a growing sentiment that like, hey, it's, it's time to bring in some newer Batman villains into these yeah, movies. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Like, all right, we've seen all these different versions of Joker, Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin. Let's bring in like somebody new. So like, I think Killer Croc would be welcomed. Uh, I think Clayface would be Clayface. Like ones who like, yeah, we've seen other versions of them, but to give them the spotlight is a different story. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to see it. We'll we'll see what happens because I think Batman's brand is at the point where like you almost don't need to have. It's it's not it's a different mentality from the '90s where they where they're just like, hey, we have to have a Batman '66 villain as a villain. Like yeah. we have to have a known villain. And now yeah. I'm just like, I think the brand's at the point where if you have Batman versus Killer Croc or Batman versus Man Bat or Batman versus Clayface, and the general audience don't know who the fuck that is, that's okay because they'll still show up because it's a Batman movie. I mean, look at the MCU. How often do audiences know who the villain is or really care who Dude. the villain is before they see the trailer? They don't know fucking shit. No one does. I don't even know some yeah. of them half the time, you know, yeah. especially the Guardians of the Galaxy villains and shit. I still don't know who the villain of the Marvels is. I mean, I know it's it's. I know the actress. I know her in the trailer, but I don't know yeah. the name of the character. Exactly. <laughs> even if you did tell me, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't know. <laughs> you know. I I I kind of feel like for me, as long as I see a cool move happen, mm-hmm. uh, and a cool character beat in the trailer. I'm going to be down and I, I'm going to be down like no matter what. And I feel like a lot of people would be the same way. Like it wasn't actually wasn't a great movie in my opinion, but the, the last Mortal Kombat movie, mm. the 20, 21 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, there was a moment in the trailer where sub zero grabs a piece of the blood that spits out of the guy he's fighting and freezes it and uses it as an ice shank back on the guy again and everybody was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. I got to see this fucking... And I was the same way. I got to see this mm-hmm. fucking immediately. <laughs> and I got to mm-hmm. go practice karate in the garage. Practice <laughs> <That laughs> how to freeze the guy's blood to kill him again. <laughs> that was... Everybody's response to that trailer was really palpable online. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if, if there's like moments like that, dude, you know... I, I'm talking to you Hollywood producers out there. You know, you really will sell a movie if you just have like a, a, a in the trailer mm-hmm. look. I, you want I want you to have more than that, but really, <laughs> if you want to go the easy route, have a cool move, a cool mm-hmm. physical move, and a cool, you know, uh, character moment, some sort of hint that it's an actual character in the trailer yeah. for your villain. We don't care who the it can be Condiment King, it could be whatever the fuck. Yeah, you know, I think the MCU moves, movies prove that, like, hey, the main draw is the brand, is the hero, not necessarily the villain anymore. As opposed yeah, to the 90s, yeah. where it's just like, it's now Arnold as Mr. Freeze. Like, you don't need to do that shit anymore. <laughs> and they learned their lesson, well, a little bit. They learned less than a little bit. <laughs> More or less, yeah. yes. They haven't been quite, yeah, they haven't been as bad as yeah. as that, really, you know. So, yeah, it's been fine. Yeah. Blade yeah. saved superhero movies anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And again, that's one where like people didn't know the hero or the villain in that one, and yet, I mean, part of it's also it helped that like I think they didn't really see it as a comic book movie because a lot of people probably saw Blade and just thought, oh, it's just a cool fucking Les- Wesley Snipes horror thriller thing. Like they didn't know it was a comic. Dude, I didn't know. I was I was in eighth grade when it came out mm-hmm. in '98, 
it's very easy for me. In 98, I was in eighth grade. In 99, I was in ninth grade. <laughs> right. So, uh, like, I must have seen that movie like 20 times. I bought the blue, uh, the DVD. It was mm-hmm. one of the first DVDs I ever got. I loved Blade, dude. I thought that shit was fucking awesome. Uh, so, yeah. I just wish Wesley Snipes paid those taxes. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is the last one. Again, another another look, except this time uh, Bane has less clothes on. So beforehand, we well, you gotta you, you gotta you gotta show the goods. You know, yeah. I mean, he's been working out. Who knows if he's got anything from the waist down? But at least here he's got. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> at least here he doesn't. Uh, but. You, you see all the muscles and stuff in this Photoshop type of thing. They might have used Hardy's... I don't know if they used Hardy's body from Bronson or if this is someone else um, in this. I don't know. But this is Could another be. concept look at this. But yeah, the Bane design to me is an example of like, no, it's not the comic book um, version of it, but it feels enough like the character or it has their own design that, that fulfills what the original design did that I don't mind the fact that they changed it. You know, the movie is not going to be dramatically better to me, personally, if they change Bane's design to look like the original, you know, Chuck Dixon, Graham Nolan uh, look from Nightfall. There's a lot of other issues with the movie. But the design itself, yeah. I didn't have any issues with. No, the design's not really the issue. We, You know, we covered that so many times in previous episodes, but this is a pretty cool concept art. This is probably Photoshopped. Mm-hmm images and uh yeah have you seen bronson by the way i haven't you know a lot of people were bringing that up when he was cast as bane because um i don't know if you had remembered this but like they announced hardy was going to be in the movie they did not say who he was playing oh for a long long yeah i think i remember that people were just like is hardy playing the riddler is he playing the riddler (laughs) who's he playing in this he can't be playing like everybody was like speculating on who he could be playing and a lot of people were just like, well, what if he's Bane and stuff because of Bronson, you know? So uh, that that's what was brought up. But again, that was that was in an era, in an era before streaming, where like being able to see Bronson was not as easy as it is it might be now. Where I think it's oh yeah, I think it might be on is it might be on Tubi or Hulu or something. It's on something. Dude, I would it is now. it is a hell of a film, dude. It's really good. Right. It's just about a wild motherfucker in the prison <laughs> and like going in and out of prison and and mm-hmm. in England and it's, there's like legendary stories about Hardy going to meet Bronson, mm-hmm. the real guy, and like he thought he was too pretty or something, and then the second time he met him. He had done all the prison workouts and yeah. done everything, and like had Shaper's gotten probably. had gotten Bronson's approval. Uh, and yeah, it's dude, that's put that on your list, man. It's 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 a journey that movie. I'll check I, it out. I can see why Nolan. He probably he probably I'm sure that he saw that that was the like deciding factor for Bane, because his acting is incredible in it as well. Yeah, I'd have to take a look into it, or maybe during the break. I will, but uh, yeah, just to see. But I think uh, that's a possibility. I know he said that he liked Ledger due to Brokeback Mountain because he felt like this is an actor who will go to like all these different places. Um, yeah. So he wanted somebody who was like a fearless actor for that, which he made the right call about clearly. So yeah. for uh, for Hardy, I might look that up during the break because we're pretty much at the end of all the uh, different Bane designs and the different Bane masks, and so. The rest of this is going to be on Catwoman, and we'll cover that after the break. 
All right, everyone, it's time for our July announcements. We got a bunch of other new things on the way uh, or already recorded. So uh, let's start with this. We have the 89 logo up here because for those who missed it, I was on the show Table Read Tuesdays where we read the Sam Hamm script for, uh, from 1986 uh, for the Batman 89 movie. I couldn't reveal who I was playing the last time we announced this, but uh, since it's already come and gone, I was the voice of Batman. So I got to finally uh, read that role. It was an awesome experience. I got my own Vicky Vale, got my own Joker to fight against, my own Robin even. But, uh, you know, it's also a script where there are long instances where Batman is doing stuff and doesn't say anything. So it was really easy for me compared to everyone else, um, especially compared to Kat, the narrator, who was the MVP of that, with reading through all the action description. <laughs> but uh, check that out at the Table Read Tuesdays uh, YouTube page that we'll have on the link below. And uh, it is five hours long, FYI, so don't, oh, wow. don't expect you to go through all that because there's a lot of, uh, again, there's so much action description that it's not the same length as a movie uh, when right. we go through all that. And the final hour alone is just on, you know, an analysis and discussion on the differences between this and the, uh, the movie itself. So uh, check that out if you want. And uh, in the meantime, both uh, Andrew and I, as we've talked about before, are in a movie. We're in Jeffrey Scott Richards' movie, Derek Magnum. We recently saw uh, the finished edit of it. It's great. We are in it, of course. It's great because we're in it. No, it's, it's, it's great regardless <laughs> whether or not we're in it. Uh, but uh, please help us out or help them out, really, because this does not go to us. Uh, there's a GoFundMe set up for the Derek Magnum production costs, and a lot of it goes towards uh, you know, submitting it to festivals, which is where, uh, you know, Jeffrey's sending it. And we are executive producers on the movie. So if you are a part of that and want to help out, you will be basically helping us become executive producers on potentially an award-winning movie in these festivals. So Indeed. that's exciting. Yes, um, thank you for including us, Derek. And uh, yeah, it's awesome. Please check it out, everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, please... Uh, try to help them out um with production costs plus yeah the submitting to festivals man it ain't cheap nope it's that's a whole other deal dude uh yes. so uh so yeah please ch check that out if you can mm -hmm. uh another announcement coming up um so i have a couple creative things andrew has a couple creative things so mm -hmm. i'll start with mine uh my first scripted podcast for the audio drama channel nuvers creative that is coming up soon if it has not been already by the time this gets released and it is not one that we've announced before. This has been kept secret until now, but I can finally Ooh. reveal this. It's going to be Batman 89, Case of the Chemical Syndicate. This is an adaptation of the very first Batman story, Detective Comics number 27, by Bill Finger, but written as a prequel to Batman 89. Uh, and also, as you can see in this thumbnail, uh, by Tim over at Duvers Creative, it is inspired by the Cape Crusader suit that we broke down in our episode where we nice. went through all the different Keaton suits. So that's why that's there. Though you wrote it? You I did, yeah. Okay, so I cool. wrote, I, I adapted this. Um, there is, it's basically a, a faithful adaptation of Detective Comics number 27, but I injected a little something in there that you guys are going to have to listen to <laughs> that makes it connect to the movie, the 89 movie. Um, Though, if you subscribe to the idea that Keaton's Batman in The Flash is a different version from his in Batman 89, let's keep in mind, guys, this is audio. So you can just envision him in whatever suit you want. If you want to envision him <laughs> in the Batman 89 suit, cool. If you want to, you know, 
put this in same continuity as Johnny K's The Oath movie. Maybe he's in that Batman Returns style prototype that he wore in that. It's up to you because this is what I love about doing these. It's audio. So you can envision whatever the hell you want when it comes to the designs of these suits. So uh, that I'm excited about that. It's my first collaboration, release collaboration. Uh, with Newverse on that, and uh, if this does well, maybe we'll take a crack at some other ones that explain those Keaton suits for there. But uh, when you check that out, you may also hear a familiar voice in the story as one of the villains. So uh, that is on the way, or has already been released, depending on when that gets out. And lastly, to continue updating people, I have more art to share on the upcoming comic of mine, Alter Ego, which is basically Game of Thrones supervillains, where five families of villains <laughs> rule over the wasteland of a post-apocalyptic city. I introduced you last time to the first three families. This is the head of the fourth family, the Gatekeeper. Think of him as Aquaman on land. He can communicate <laughs> with all the surviving zoo animals to protect the borders of the city and ensure no one gets in or out. Hence, the Gatekeeper. Uh, so as you can see here, he's got a lion as an enforcer, as well as a bird who informs him of everything that happens. And uh, <laughs> that cane is nothing to, uh, you know, be afraid of the cane. Is all I'm going to say on that. So uh, this is what we got. And uh, over to Andrew on your stuff. Okay, so uh, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time, this project used to be called Amano Recon. We've changed that to uh, to what we think is a better name and it's now called Metal Force, okay? Um, and we're going to have a booth where we're promoting the Kickstarter that's going to be running for Metal Force at Japan World Heroes Convention. That's the name of the convention, and that's August 18th to 20th, uh, and that's at the Burbank Marriott Convention Center in Los Angeles. Um, we might be selling some trinkets, too, so uh, some small stuff, nothing crazy, and just kind of like promoting our project and trying to get funding while at the convention. So check it out, and also please check out uh, www.metalforce.ninja. That is our URL, and you can see the campaign video there, mm -hmm. and uh, just the whole pitch and everything for Metal Force is there. And uh, it's R-rated Power Rangers meet Stranger Things. That's my elevator pitch for it. It's not a fan film, uh, but it does have strong inspiration from those two things. So it's a horror comedy movie. So uh, there it is. Please check it out. And uh, that's it for that one, Ben. <laughs> nice. And uh, lastly, we have our charity for this month. Okay. To be for uh, Hope for the Day. Hope for the Day is a nonprofit movement empowering the conversation on proactive suicide prevention through action, outreach, and education. By educating ourselves and our communities on the basics of mental health, we can create strong peer support networks to assist those experiencing mental health challenges. When we provide accessible resources for mental health and social services, we can save lives. And Especially if you look at our when we look at our YouTube analytics, we're like over 99% men, and not to say that it's it's obviously doesn't matter about gender, but there's something about men not talking about their mental problems. I'll say that like dudes don't talk about emotions and feelings and shit. So uh, if I can talk to 99% of our audience, 
like please go seek help uh, and talk to these people or uh, the suicide prevention hotline as well uh, you know because Ben have you ever had anybody commit suicide in your life yes and I have as well everybody a lot of people have this experience which really fucking sucks so uh, yeah this is what we're talking about this month and uh, hope hope for the day is our charity so please check them out just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Gaiden. It's about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking, every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general. Japanese cultural differences as well and we also are going to have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines such as Electronic Gaming Monthly aka EGM so stay tuned for Gaming Gaiden Podcast it's already out now y'all I want to tell you about the Patreon.com Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod and on that you get the $1 tier uh, you can join the $1 tier, which gets you the shout-out on the board, and either visually or orally, or both, at times. Uh, <laughs> we want to do the oral, uh, for the most part, uh, for newer people. Uh, and then the $5 tier gets you a whole new show. Uh, this show is every Monday, as you well know, and it's free on YouTube and the What's Nots. And... Um, <laughs> The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for five mm-hmm. bucks. And uh, there's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can, uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well. So <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, check that out. And then our $10 tier gets you all of the above. Plus a, uh, it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly. And it's like a zoom like call. And we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that. And that's at the $10 tier. Um, every tier that you get like the $5 tier gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm-hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble.com and on threadless superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower curtains, and all the rest artwork by Stefan Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. Mm-hmm. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf Lives is my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also thunderwolfdrew.com has my whole portfolio in one place except for amanorecon.com that's A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N dot com and that is uh, an original idea that some friends and I are doing where it is R-rated um, Power Rangers 
meets Stranger Things. That's the quick pitch, and it is not a fan film, original idea. We have a pitch video right now on YouTube and on the Indiegogo page. We're campaigning right now as of this, uh, when this episode premieres. And this poster art is by Zachary Jackson Brown Art. Dot com and check it out please support us on the campaign and more from that soon um, but yes it's uh it's bloody and um, if you like that kind of thing check us out and that's it ben follow us on social media on twitter at superhouse pod instagram superhero stuff pod where we have some different supplemental stuff we even i've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the keaton ornament from the flash is in so you can check that out on our instagram superhero stuff pod uh tiktok superhero stuff pod vero superhero stuff pod my website is benwanwriter.com where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts including gotham vampire elementary the death of sherlock holmes and curb your enthusiasm disneyland if you're fans of any of those shows check them out and let us know what you think my YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the 8th Doctor, meeting Miyamoto Musashi. My personal Instagram is Rider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. And you can even check out another page on that website, superherostuffpod.com slash show notes. That includes... Uh, various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superherostuffpod.com slash show notes lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines talking about dogs y'all as you might have heard, Superhero Stuff You Should Know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches! Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash SuperheroStuffPod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Well, let me tell you what. And we're back, and we have a follow-up to what we were talking about before the break in terms of why Nolan cast Tom Hardy in the role of Bane. Uh, we were looking around during the break. There is supposedly an interview in which Tom Hardy reveals that Chris Nolan actually had not seen Bronson before casting Tom Hardy as Bane, uh, and that he instead cast him in the movie Rock and Roller. However, I couldn't find the actual interview. This is secondhand stuff through stuff like IMDb Trivia or like WhatCulture.com, and those are not really sources I trust that much without verifying them from actual <laughs> interviews. So yeah. we're just going to chalk this up to If you, anyone can find that interview or you have a magazine scan of that interview, let us know uh, in the comments and stuff. Because I'm pretty sure I read something similar to this a while back, but I can't find it either. So maybe I just read it off of you know what culture or something. But uh, that's that's supposedly the main reason, which is interesting. I've never seen Rock and Roller either. Uh, but uh, me either. Nolan saying that that was the reason could be interesting to to take a look and see what what aspects from that performance led into led into Bane. Um, I think What's it's, Rock and Roller about. Uh, it is. I think it's a it's a crime thriller. It's like a British crime thriller with uh, Gerard Butler. Let me take a look right now. 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Russian mobster orchestrates a crooked land deal. Millions of dollars are up for grabs, drawing the entire London underworld into a feeding frenzy. So it's got Gerard Butler, Thandy Newton, Idris Elba, Toby Kibble, Mark Straw, Tom Wilkinson, Carmine Falcone himself. Um, Tandy Jer- Newton. Uh, yeah, Tandy Newton. Uh, Jeremy Piven. And Ludacris. Jeremy Piven. That's kind of random. And Ludacris? <laughs> That's kind of random. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, yeah, it's got a whole bunch of people in this. Jesus. Rock and Rolla. Well, yeah. I think I can see why people want to believe it because the timing seems right and he for him to have seen Bronson before, even if he hasn't. Mm-hmm. It came out before then. He's playing kind of a bad guy. Uh, you know, he's also bald and buff. And bald and prison. buff, so. prison kind of crazy. It just mm-hmm. it it's a you know if, even if that's not the case, I can see why people made the mistake. Yeah, it's, yeah. It'd be as it'd be like if Ledger got cast as Joker right after playing like a serial killer or something. Be like, oh, it's clearly yeah. because of that. No one's like, no, it's because it broke back mountain. Like it'd be weird. <laughs> it'd be weird for it not to be the most obvious thing. But I was uh, in the we'll camp see. of not believing in Ledger at first, and mm-hmm. then the trailer came out. And, you know, it was as soon as he said, you've changed things or something in the trailer. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah. He was always a guy who uh, tried to do something different. Like, it was one of those things that, like, they, they say that Colin Farrell was like a leading, he's got the leading man looks, but he's really a character actor. I feel like that yeah. was applicable to Ledger uh, oh, for, yeah. for a long time, you know, even before Joker and stuff. So that's, that was one where I'm just like, hmm. Whatever whatever he does, it's going to be something we've never seen before. That was kind of my feeling when he was cast. I wasn't necessarily, um, I wasn't like a non-believer. I was maybe slightly disappointed it wasn't like, you know, other actors who like were heavily rumored at the time. But I was kind of like, well, let's see what this guy can do because I know that he's got range. Oh, yeah. Lords of Dogtown and all that. Mm-hmm. Night's Tale is totally different. Yeah. All of his movies are very different from each other. You know, Brokeback Mountain. I mean, man, all of his movies were good at that time. Mm-hmm. Just about, just about all of them. Yeah. So you can kind of see the range was always there. It's just people only saw him for like this one thing. Just like what happens whenever somebody gets announced and and uh, their casting gets bashed and then they end up knocking it out of the park. <laughs> so yeah, it seems I, to happen every know. time. <laughs> We saw it most recently with Batfleck and mm-hmm. probably some others, but uh, Pattinson, Pattinson, like you know, like these, you know, got to get over it. Mm-hmm. People, there's such a bad reaction to everything on Twitter or X. Yes, <laughs> this also uh, this also happened with Anne Hathaway, who we're going to be talking about too. You know, okay, nice, nice transition there, segue. <laughs> well, thanks for setting it up for me. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> everyone's like Princess Diaries, chick as Catwoman. That's not gonna work, and I'm just like. She seems like the type of actress that Nolan would cast in Catwoman. Like I was, I think I had said before, she was on like the short list for who was auditioning, and I'm just like, mm, it's probably going to be Hathaway, because like she seems like the one that that Nolan would want to work with. So. I never had any problem with this casting at all. She Same was here. good, mm-hmm. you know. She looks, she looked like the fucking part. Who gives a shit? Yeah. She said she was eating like a thousand calories a day to fit in the fucking suit. I believe it. Something like that. Like yeah. that's you know. I fart a thousand calories every <laughs> every every like thirty minutes. Farts will fill up the cat suit. So. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's insane what she had to do to mm-hmm. to, to fit in the suit, man. 
Um, she, okay, so this is where she's a, she's a maid. She's and, the maid, uh, yeah. This is the concept art. Infiltrating. Of the mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they were adapting the elements from the first appearance where she was kind of like doing a lot of the disguises and stuff. So yeah. um, I always thought that was a cool element. She's an underrated Catwoman. Um, I think it's just because, again, she's sharing, sharing the same movie that's filled, like, over filled with so many different ideas and so many different aspects and of course tom hardy's bane just being such a different type of what you're used to and creating yeah. an iconic character that i think it distracts away from from catwoman in this but you know she did well with what she had so this is her in the yeah. maid outfit uh and then variations on the maid outfit as well as the dress that she wears with, with the uh, pearl necklace with a hint of the cat ears on the right i'm not really sure yeah. what they were going with on that other than that being some sort of you know hairband type of thing but uh, or yeah, they were just they were just having fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see more of her in. Uh, let's see. Actually, I don't recognize this outfit in terms of what she wore in the movie. I don't think she wore this, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just like, maybe this is. And then I just drew a blank. So, yeah, this is probably something. Uh, this is an unused uh, costume at some point uh, during this. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. This is her at the airport. I recognize this with the big hat. Yeah, and, the uh, Art Deco yeah. kind of style again, the classic. Which is cool. Gotham stuck in time kind of look, which, yeah. yeah, it's cool. It always works. I'd say out of the modern actresses, I mean, I know that, you know, Pfeiffer's iconic, Zoe Kravitz did well, but I think Hathaway actually looks the most like the traditional, like Selena Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I wish she got a little, a little bit more Catwoman-y. Mm-hmm. You know, the most we got was her putting those goggles up. <laughs> yes, you know, for the ears, but, uh, we'll you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, she's cool. She seemed like she didn't do much. Well, I know she's still around, but like her, she didn't like maintain this altitude for a while. Am I wrong? Like it's like with Gerard Butler mm-hmm. and with, um, two face guy. What was his name again? Aaron Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. Like a lot of people just kind of like I, I mean, it's tough, and you know, they, it's it says something that they got that far, but you know, it seems like you know she and some others didn't like maintain this level for a while after the movie. Well, after came this out. was, I forgot if she got the Oscar for Les Mis, but she did have a lot of the Oscar buzz for that one after this one, and then after that, I think she's just been more selective about the roles that she takes because I think it's the kind of thing where you know a lot of actresses. You know, quote unquote, age out of like the leading role and stuff. So like she couldn't really yeah, hold on to sad. being like the action heroine, or she wasn't really the action heroine that much outside of this movie anyway. So like I think she got to like do whatever the hell she wanted, and that's kind of the mode that she's in right now. And you know, more power to her. Yeah, it's it sucks about women aging out, man. That's it's that sucks, dude. I I hate hearing that. I know it's I know it's true, but it's good to see like. Isn't Salma Hayek still kicking it? And yeah. Jennifer, I mean, uh, Angelina Jolie and a, and a few well, others. But Hathaway does not look like she's aged since The Dark Knight Rises. It's been 11 years. To me, she looks the same. She looks exactly right. the same to me. <laughs> so I'm just like, you could right. be, she could, I mean, probably still go back to the gym just like everyone else would for, for the role. But, uh, you know, she could probably play Catwoman now. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, maybe she just fell, she fell off my radar probably I guess. Yeah, it's um, I don't know the latest thing. Let us know in the comments uh, on that. I know she was in like some sort of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels remake, but I didn't see that. Um, That's the one with um, Rebel Wilson. 
I think so, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing that trailer. That was like the main thing I saw her kind of mm-hmm. after this. So, And she's mainly known for Princess Diaries, I think, <laughs> right. too, didn't she? Like, mm-hmm. That's her main claim to fame, I think. Mm-hmm. So we've got this look here with the hat, and then we've got looks into the cat suit. All these lines and stuff that they didn't go with. Thank God. I mean, that just looks terrible. Yeah. It looks like, oh, hey, we can do the uh, the black tennis shoe look on Catwoman, too, since we're already having that on Batman. But Design through work. line, everybody. Yeah, it doesn't work at all with that, so thank God they didn't do that. Um, she's got giant-ass zippers on the left, and she's tire treads on the right. So, again, thankfully they just did not go with this. Just yeah. Keep it simple. I don't know what what's going on here but all right uh this is a little closer to what we would end up in the movie mm-hmm. um and then we've got this idea too of like the high heels being the kind of replacing the talons yeah which is was kind of weird to me you know i i, I guess i get why but it's it was just felt like okay so she kind of has to be kicking dudes and cutting them with her heels i don't know it just it just felt weird uh, but that's the specific version. She doesn't have the the claws on her hands. She's got them on her heels, I guess. Uh, so Nolan just wanted that realism, man. You know, there's nothing really that unrealistic about <laughs> about the gloves. But I, I mean, it's it's not me disagreeing with you. That's more of just me just being like, okay, Nolan, whatever. You oh, do I don't, do. I don't agree with it either. I, yeah. I don't. I mean, Nolan is going to do what Nolan does. Yeah. You know. Uh, so as we can see here, the original look for Catwoman uh, did include. Um, Hair that was a little different, you know. Her hair is a little poofy in this concept <laughs> art, and uh, you know, Anne Hathaway's look is different here. The mask is bigger; it's not as sleek. Uh, this is a screen test uh, that she had here, so clearly it wasn't going to be exactly like this. But it's kind of cool to see like an early uh, version of her, or her wearing like an earlier costume uh, in the role, since we rarely get to see that. Uh, and there's another shot of her on the uh, on the bat pod as well here. Uh, almost looks a little purple-ish on her costume due to the lighting, which is a nice little tie into the Catwoman comics of the 90s, but I don't think that's necessarily a deliberate choice there. So much as just like, yeah, it's just, let's just see how this looks under the lighting as well as... Um, I think this is a... I, I believe this might be a camera test for her. I don't know if this was specifically her audition for it. It might have been. I don't know. I'm not sure, but yeah, I can I can see why they wanted to reduce the mass size, but I would have kept the ears. Yeah. Um, it could be this is still meant to be, you know, these are still meant to be the goggle ears, which we're going to go into in a bit, but yeah, uh, still, right? Uh, and then this is kind of, this is an image that Dan pulled up. Thank you, Dan. Uh, but basically to say that uh, this is to emphasize Anne Hathaway's body without actually being too revealing about it i think they wanted to because remember the last Catwoman before anne hathaway was not michelle pfeiffer it was holly berry so they had to yeah. they were kind of overcorrecting. i think it was just like okay last Catwoman showed too much skin this one shows no skin from the neck down so that's kind right. of what they decided to go with uh so let's talk about these goggles uh like we've talked about before they decided to kind of go batman 66 ish to me with like she's got a separate mask from the ears there's no cowl and the ears aren't really cat ears so much as the goggles when she pulls them up and they create the cat look. She's never called Catwoman. She's called the cat at one point, or there's the cat heist or heist, as it's misspelled. Heist, in... a cat burglar. Yeah. She, there's a mention of that in the dancing scene or whatever. Yeah. 
but that's why she was referred to as Selena Kyle rather than Catwoman. Whatever. Uh, but uh, we have the goggles here, different variations of like what these goggles were supposed to look like. And uh, yeah, they were kind of going through like what kind of night goggles would a cat burglar use. And so like they would kind of inadvertently create the cat ears when she pulled them up, as we can see here in this model. Uh, not a bad then, idea. It's just, you know, yeah. not ideal, I guess, for me. This is Mario Torres again doing the uh, doing the sculpt on that mask. It looks like the masquerade mask for Selena rather than the regular one that she wears as Catwoman. Right. But, yeah, I've never cared for this idea with the cat ears. To me, it was always like, okay, fine. It's like this and the talons, where it's just like you're trying to make things realistic, but what you're replacing isn't really that unrealistic. So it's like you're going going leaps and bounds to explain something that doesn't really need to be explained. Right. And, uh, yeah, I know one of our Patreon patrons, Halsey, really hates the Zoe Kravitz Catwoman mask, but I'm just like, dude, I'll take that over this bullshit with the, with the goggles. Right. Yeah, I mean... Hopefully we see her become more fully Catwoman in the, in the next one. Yeah. Kind of forgot about her evolution because I was so excited about Clayface and all that other <laughs> shit. But I want right. to see what happens with... I mean, I, they don't even have to do a Bat Pod or whatever. Just upgrade the Batmobile, you know? You yeah, know, like good. For, for, for the Batman 2. Um, but anyway, that's for another, another day, I guess. But yeah. uh, another shot that I take at work all the time this mm -hmm. kind of show <laughs> so there little insider note uh, there's an old school joke here uh well not in this shot but mm -hmm. in, in like some of the old henson shots and shit where they would use the like the wrong tool entirely for what they were trying to do <laughs> he's using the right tool here i think but sometimes they'd be using like something just completely off and tr just a as an inside joke amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was often what would get, what would get printed in magazines and shit at the time was the, was the wrong tool picture. That is funny. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, good on him for using the right one for this, for this shot. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a nice look behind the scenes. Another way to recognize the guy who, uh, you know, helped bring this to life. Yeah, it's cool. And then another shot of the goggles, the final version on the right. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm laughing at this derpy-looking uh, picture in the middle uh, on the left. <laughs> you can see that, Derp. right? <laughs> We've yeah. just got the tongue out. They're kind of making it look like a uh, a cat face, like a literal cat yeah. face on that. But, yeah, this is, is what we got. And, again, not a fan of it, but uh, it's kind of cool to see the evolution of these nonetheless. They so. got to figure it out, man. Like, we see a final product, but there was a whole process before it. Mm-hmm. You know, so moving forward. So this is what we're going to end on. We have different scenes, concept art of different scenes, kind of like what we saw earlier with the other other movies. This is clearly the bat, uh, basically Batman being able to get away from the cops using the bat that he takes through the alleyway. Uh, so next one is Batman and Selina escaping into the bat. Kind of a cool shot here that we didn't really get. Yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, yeah, it's Batman's cool. cape being behind him, Catwoman leaping after him. Um, it also reminds me that we've never really gotten a Batman Catwoman chase on the rooftops type of thing in live action. It's something that we've seen a lot in animation, but we've never actually right. seen them run after each other and leap from rooftop to rooftop before. Maybe, you know, Matt Reeves will give that to us in the sequels. We'll see. 
this is like that underground area where they keep the bomb or the reactor thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's meant to be Morgan Freeman, I think, over there. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Going forward, this is where Batman's about to fight Bane. Uh, and then there's an interesting shot of Batman's fight with Bane here, where it almost looks like the area that they're fighting on is covered in water or flooded in some way, because you can see the water spill over in like a waterfall next to them. Um, which probably makes it even more difficult for them to fight if they're like in the middle right. of you know, wading through water and stuff. But again, this is just them. It probably wasn't even in the script. It was probably like a cool visual they were thinking of when they were doing this concept art, if I were to guess. Looks looks like Star Wars or something. A little bit, I guess, right? The background does, yeah. Yeah, like the Jedi Council type stuff. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Batman's fighting Bane. His, they're having a meeting. So yeah. this is, uh, th- I thought this was interesting. Uh, this is the football field, which gets blown up before Bane announces everything, which looks pretty close to what we got in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the, what we'll end on. This is the pit, uh, which was very important since this is where Bane grows up as well as where Bruce is held for a good portion of the movie. Um, so the sort of like intricate designs with the different staircases um, is here to stay. And I think that's supposed to be Bane on the left looking over everything. Okay. Uh, a little bit more from the view of the pit itself from down below or looking up uh, and kind of seeing the light that's at the very top of there. So uh, this all gets rendered over here where we get uh, sort of the little clay models of what it was going to look like as well as um, this almost looks like the set on the right. Well, it's meant to be the set. It looks like the set, yeah. Yeah. The other one's miniatures though, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So this is what we got for The Dark Knight Rises. We do not have any concept art for for John Blake, (laughs) probably because he's just a cop. So there really didn't need to be anything like that. But... Um, if anyone was wondering if there's any concept art for a you know, potential super suit or bat suit for uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that's not in here. I don't think he was ever meant to, to wear anything. He was just sort of meant to, to you know, rise on that platform as the last shot of the entire trilogy, and that was it. Nolan, Yeah, Nolan's just trying to throw him a bone, but mm-hmm. I don't think he was ever really going to do anything yeah, no. with that. I don't think so either. It's the idea of the next step, but you know, just to kind of round out the trilogy but he didn't really want to make the make the movie about that next step right no. yeah so uh yeah and i, I think uh, joseph gordon levitt as well has said that that was never really something that they had planned you know that was just kind of something that like he agreed to do the ending because that was the ending that chris wrote but that wasn't really the like they weren't planning to do a fourth one starring him you know or a spin-off with him he was so huge at this time i feel like he's kind of not that he has to do anything but i feel like I don't see him as much either. You know, lately. I think it's I think it's just a case where like they you get big and then you know you use the money that you got and do whatever the fuck you want. You know, like I saw oh, him. Yeah, he's. I mean, he does a little cameo type stuff for Ryan Johnson's uh, work, either in uh, you know on Peacock or on movies and stuff. He's like does. I think he did voice cameos for the Knives Out movies and stuff. And I think it's just because he's just like, hey, I'm happy with you know whatever the. I get to do whatever the hell I want, and uh, I join my friend's stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? No, more power to him. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's got oodles of money. I just, you know, I thought he was a cool dude, and he was in a bunch of movies that I was, I did like at the time, mm-hmm. like kind of mid-2000s to, to late-2000s. Mm-hmm. He just rode his wave, and I'm sure he'll be back in some something or another, but uh, 
yeah, I feel like he's he's kind of been a little bit out of the limelight as well, a little bit. Yeah. But I thought I thought he was solid in this movie as well. Yeah, even yeah, if, yeah. Even if the the role is kind of a weird <clears throat> take on quote unquote Robin, you know, like throughout most of yeah. this movie, before you get to that twist, you're just like, why is there so much on this one cop who's not even in the comics? You know, like it's, I know it felt it felt so weird. My, uh, my dad, my dad was like, he's gonna be Robin. He's gonna yeah. be Robin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or he's gonna he's gonna be. He called it like in the w- middle of the movie. <laughs> he actually is the oldest Robin. He's old. He was older than Chris O'Donnell was in Batman Forever, but it makes sense because his character is supposed to be a cop rather than an orphan, uh, you know, an orphan um, acrobat kid. But plus, he's a Robin that goes straight to Batman. Really, yeah, kind of skips yeah. the Robin step. Yeah, his Robin step is just helping Bruce a little bit throughout this movie, and then he inherits all the stuff at the end. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like we've talked about before, there's all there's that whole rumor about like, oh, Bale was offered, you know, the cameo and the Flash, and that never happened. And like we've proven, like, hey, that's not actually what happened. Kevin Smith was just speculating in that podcast, and all the different blogs jumped on it. But like, even if that was true, guys, like again, I think you and I agree on this. That didn't need to happen. Like, just let the thing end. Just let it end on their own terms. Nobody has to keep coming back. Stuff like we don't need this constant return. Of nostalgia, uh, especially because like they ended it the way they wanted it, doesn't it kind of ruin the Dark Knight Rises ending of just like ah, guess what? Just kidding. <laughs> I want to be Batman again. <laughs> like it just doesn't work anymore. That's the thing, man. I feel like there's definitely a huge war between artistic integrity and art by committee. Mm-hmm. The internet is the committee, and they can be right about a lot of things, but I think that. Definitely not everything, and especially in the case of Nolan's trilogy here, even though it's not a perfect movie, let Nolan have his artistic integrity and just mm-hmm. let it let it be. Yeah. It's over. It, mm-hmm. it ended in what twenty eleven or whatever. Twenty twelve. Eleven years. Eleven years ago. Eleven year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So, just let it go, guys. It's fine, and it's more had more of an impact when it was fucking. Um, you know, George Clooney anyway. So yep, I agree. Uh, and with that, that is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to Dan, as usual, for gathering the visuals for the YouTube experience of all the concept art and stuff. And if you want to check out more of the concept art, including maybe even a deeper dive into that deleted Bane scene, you can join the $5 Patreon tier, where we're going to do a deeper dive in all this uh, Dark Knight Rises concept art uh, in the next week. So check that out. In the meantime, we're going to dive into some of the fan comments that provided a little bit more insight into some of the stuff we've been talking about. So, uh, Alex Haddon330 commented on our mini-episode on the different uh, concept art from The Flash, on uh, specifically the Batfleck uh, sort of motocross suit. So, there was one picture that was pulled up where it looked like there was Ben Affleck's uh, bat suit in a 3D model that was like practically white and gray and stuff, and we thought that was really weird. So Alex has some insights into that. Alex says, quote, the motocross batsuit pics you guys are looking at like 10 minutes in, I don't think is concept art. I think it's promotional images from DO3D. It's a com- uh, or Do3D, sorry. It's a company that specializes in making 3D files for cosplayers and prop replica fans to buy and 3D print for themselves. The reason parts of it are white are probably just to give a better, more detailed view of the parts they're selling on their website. They do that a lot uh, with a lot of other properties and files they sell. Just wanted to clarify that it's not official or preliminary concept art. Okay. All right. Thanks, Alex. Sounds Sounds correct to me. Thank yep. you. 
unless somebody comes out of the work, woodwork from the concept art, uh, you know, community and says, actually, that's what we used for that movie. But uh, until then, uh, I think Alex is probably right. Yeah. So uh, SR Striker 6420 says, uh, commented three months ago. I guess I pulled something out from three months ago because it's relevant to this episode. Uh, commented on the David Goyer Flash script deep dive that we did, saying, thank you for this because I wish we got this movie years ago because I like that they use Hunter Zolomon and the turtle as the villain. Can you do the early rumors of The Dark Knight Rises? This is why I brought this back. Uh, where it was going to be Riddler and Penguin and that Johnny Depp as Riddler and Philip Seymour Hoffman, the Penguin, and other being that it's based on Batman Prey, where Hugo Strange is the main villain. All right, we'll do that now. Those were the rumors. <laughs> That's it. Like I mean, there's not much else you did for us, Sr. Striker. I mean, there's there's not really anything else to talk about on that. The, the truth of the matter is, I think, due to potentially due to, to like dissatisfaction with The Dark Knight Rises, I think a lot of people kind of like, have a lot of speculation on like, oh, what could have been with that movie like if ledger didn't die like what that movie could have been and the truth of the matter is from from everything that i've read it doesn't seem like they really started work on the dark knight races until after the dark knight was released so you know there's all there's the fan idea of like oh it might have been joker as the judge instead of crane as the judge and the dark knight rises and i'm just like okay maybe but that's like a fan idea like i don't think they even thought about that type of shit when they were working on the dark knight that was something that came along like afterwards (laughs) Um, and then in terms of the Riddler and Penguin stuff, all I, I, I mainly remember that that was the most popular rumor at the time because those were, you know, very popular actors and fan choices for Riddler and Penguin were Johnny Depp and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And at one point, Michael Caine, quote-unquote, confirmed it, but then revealed the whole thing was that, you know, Caine, who's like, you know, 70-plus at this time, um, you know, he's like one of the last ones to be told about anything. So he's probably hearing stuff from his relatives who are looking online at like comicbookmovie.com and shit. Who says like, hey, like the rumor is that it's Johnny Depp as the Riddler and Philip Seymour Hoffman as a penguin. And Kane's like, my God, that's what that's what they're doing the next one. And then he talks to Chris Nolan, who's just like, no, that's not what's happening. So, you know, sometimes I think this is what happens where like actors say like, oh, I heard a rumor of this or that. Like I think Thomas Hayden Church recently said that like he heard rumors about a return of Sam Raimi and and Tobey Maguire, but I'm just like, and everyone's like, oh, this means that that could happen, where there's going to be like a Spider-Man 4 directed by Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire. I'm like, or he's talking about rumors he read on the internet, which might not mean anything, because again, actors are people too. They have internet access like us too. So, you know, they're not always going to be told about official plans, especially if those plans aren't, you know, completely 100% set. So the idea that a lot of these actors might inadvertently, you know, Put, set some more fuel to the fire of these rumors is, is definitely something that happens where a lot of times like they might not know any better they like oh I heard a rumor but they heard it from the same source as the fans and the fans then interpret the actor's word to mean that that's official when it's not because clearly this Riddler and Penguin thing didn't happen um, and then the whole thing about Batman Prey being the basis for it I think came from the fact that uh, a lot of Prey that storyline is about the police hunting after Batman and where does the Dark Knight end it ends with the police hunting after Batman. So, you know, couple that with Hugo Strange, who is a bald villain with facial hair, and Tom Hardy's being announced, and Tom Hardy's biggest movie was Bronson, where he was a bald criminal with facial hair. You can kind of see how people made the connection there with uh, with Prey. But yeah, that's that's why these rumors came about. Depp just uh, seems like not a great Riddler. I think, uh, to me. I think it was it's just... It's the Willy a, Wonka thing? I don't, yeah, I don't Wonka. know. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't think it's necessarily Wonka specifically. I think it's more just like he seemed he was hot at the time, and he seemed like somebody no one could work with or put in these movies. It was people kind of putting their bets in terms of who was plausible to be cast in this type of stuff. Um, similar thing with uh, Hoffman, I think. Like people, there were rumors around the Dark Knight time that uh, the the Penguin was going to be some sort of arms dealer type. And then Philip Seymour Hoffman then is the villain of Mission Impossible 3 as an arms dealer. And people are just like, hey, there's a fat dude who plays a villain who's an arms dealer in Mission Impossible 3. He should be Penguin. You know? So I think that's that's just kind of how fans think. It's like how Brian Cranston was criticizing people fan casting him as Lex Luthor just because he was bald in Breaking Bad. It's kind of it's a similar dynamic, I think. Even though, like, I think all these, I, I, you know, I think Hoffman probably could have played a good Penguin uh, and his own take on Penguin, we just can't really use any of his past roles as um, examples of what he would have done because I'm sure he would have done his own thing just like Hardy did his own thing. Right. Uh, and then SR Striker says, what was the 90s Wonder Woman movie about was going to be Sandra Bullock? Uh, honestly, that's not really something I've looked into that much, but it could be a future episode. I'm not going to shut the door I on that. never even heard of that, but I haven't really researched it either. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I know there was a San, there was a whole Sandra Bullock thing for a '90s Wonder Woman, and obviously it's been years and years of of development for like a potential Wonder Woman movie, um, you know, over the course of the '90s. So, you know, that's that's stuff that we haven't really dove into before, but maybe in the future. So, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, yes, thank striker. you. All right, uh, gamer Sly Ratchet had a tidbit about gargoyles that I thought we should uh, should bring. Oh up. yeah. Um, so. Uh, even though the rumors ended up being bunk, uh, unfortunately, because I thought Kenneth Branagh doing Gargoyles could have been really interesting. Uh, yeah. But uh, Gargoyles already has a continuation with the current comic series by Dynamite. I didn't know this, that there was a Gargoyles comic. Um, <laughs> there's even a prequel miniseries that just came out and a one-shot special coming in October. That sounds pretty cool. The fan base for this is still around... It was one of the mm-hmm. darkest things Disney did in animation, at least at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done darker stuff since then, I guess, because they've expanded into Marvel and all that, Star Wars. But, man, in the 90s, you know, it was just like, wow, Disney's got a real kind of a dark one out. And, uh, you know, I thought it was really cool. It had, like, some kind of deep moments, you know, for a cartoon. And, it, you know, I was into it. That's why I made the video. Uh I do feel a little bad because it's like it's like proven to be obviously bunk like the second I posted it. But I did say rumored and I did say it wasn't posted in the trades in the in the actual video. So I kind of covered my ass there. But it would be I mean, hopefully they 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 the rumor maybe sparked something Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe they'll do a little something, you know, so that'd be great. And these I didn't know these comics were out. That's cool. Um, I haven't gone back and rewatched it yet on Disney plus. Um, but I, yeah, I did watch it back in the day and, and, and the video game, I think it was just Genesis only. Anyway, it was, it was good. I remember Disney always had like kind of good games. So, mm. uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, we'll see. I'd love, I'd love for it to be true. It'd be fun. Yeah. And Brandon yeah, would definitely. do it, do it justice. Mm. I wonder if he would also do the voice of one of them too. You know, because sometimes he puts himself in it. He didn't really with Thor, but you know, you know, because he, he's doing uh, Brana's doing the um, the Poirot movies and stuff where he's Poirot. So, you know, right, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him if he's like the voice of I don't know Hudson or somebody. You know, so I don't know. 
We'll see. Could be something. I mean, Keith David's the voice of Goliath, right? Yeah, and I would not change that. <laughs> just yeah. keep, you know, just, just keep him in that. <laughs> I, it's, if it's live action, though, man, like, I would love for it to be <laughs> practical. Maybe the wings would have to be CG mm-hmm. in some shots, but it would be oh, yeah, fucking sick if it was practical. I don't know how they'd do it, but... Yeah. Uh, maybe it's best cool. of animation. But today, as of this recording, they announced Ryan Reynolds is doing Biker Mice from Mars? Are you kidding me? I didn't me? see that. <laughs> that was on IGN, which is not okay. the trades, but they're usually not posting bunk either. Right. So uh, that could be true. I know they're not all the same people, but it's just like, is Reynolds like this, dude? Bring back SWAT cats or something cooler than biker mice from Mars, bro. Like I, th- I always thought SWAT cats needed to be brought back, and also uh, Pirates of Dark Water. Those are two. See, at least Netflix needs to bring these back. Uh, I mean, Pirates of Dark Water in particular uh, never got to finish their story. They they mm-hmm. never saved their world. So uh, you know, all of us older millennials, you know. We all loved that. There was also games for that, too. There were toys. It was a big thing in the 90s. It's just completely forgotten. And mm-hmm. I'm going to get off this tangent in a second, but SWAT Cats was the biggest show in, on that fucking channel. Only reason it was canceled was because Ted Turner was trying to make things less violent at the mm. time. And it was a kind of a violent cartoon. Uh, so it was not canceled because no one didn't like it. It was number one. So it just sucks, dude. I, you know, let let us know in the comments what you think about Pirates of Dark Water and SWAT Cats. Netflix reboots, right? Come on. And Gargoyles. Uh, anyway, let's get back to it. Some continuation of Gargoyles, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, something, uh, thank you, Gamer Sly Ratchet, because I, I didn't know about these comics, and I thought that was a cool tidbit to, to share. Yeah, it's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. All right. Shout-outs time. Oh, man. I'm going to start off with Tita, Sketchcraft, yep. Kyle B, Darren P, Devin Titbout, Renee V, and JPF, and everybody else up here on the board. And I want to thank the other supporters as well. Thank you, guys. And uh, we've told you about our friends, and now we'd like you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. And my Robin cock. listening to the Geekscape Network.